Rooted Parent, a podcast that aims to equip parents to think biblically about some of the most pressing and confusing issues of our day. We hope you enjoyed our first season, All About Boys, hosted by David Thomas. In season two, entitled Sane Parenting in Insane Times, Cameron Cole and Anna Harris will discuss topics such as loving our enemies, engaging with the news, grieving the varied losses of the COVID season, and coping with anger, just to name a few. Rooted is a ministry focused on advancing gospel-centered youth ministry. To learn more, visit www.rootedministry.com. Welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast. I'm Cameron Cole. And I'm Anna Mead Harris. And uh, this is season two of the Rooted Parent Podcast, Sane Parenting. In an insane world. I mean, we sound like we should be on local news. <laughs> Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone, live from San Diego. Um, so season one of the Rooted Parent podcast was uh, all about boys with David Thomas. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Home run. You need to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, listen to it multiple times, actually. Um, but yeah, but with, uh, we're, you know, we live in an insane world, as Anna said. Uh, there, you know, we used to kind of reduce this to 2020. But we come to see that it's not confined to a calendar year. But in fact, 2021 is just as crazy um, with COVID and political strife and uh, all, you know, just all the, all the gifts that keep on giving. Keep on giving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we've got some things to talk about today that hopefully will be really helpful to parents. Yeah. And that I think are pretty relevant. So today's topic is parents turn off the news responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> And so we, there's an article uh, on the Rooted blog, rootedministry.com, where, uh, where I talk about this. But we're going to talk about this just in, in broader terms about parents and the news and uh, how to responsibly turn it off. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the things when there's so much going on in the world, uh, you know, we can, we want to be informed. And, but there's the risk of getting totally sucked in to where the news that we see on television or on social media or that, you know, your crazy great aunt is sending you via email or Facebook or whatever, uh, where we can get really sucked in and that news can start to shape us. That news um, can really transform us in ways that are not bearing good fruit, that are not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but even the act of turning on the news and starting to hear that broadcaster, whoever he or she may be, sharing things with this serious tone and then all those tickers running up and down and around the screen, it makes my blood pressure go up just turning it on, just just hearing the music or the da-da-da. Uh, it's um, anxiety-producing just having it on. Exactly. So, but there's an important word in there. That's the word responsibly. And, you know, I think that one of the things we're, one of the things that a person or a way that a person could misinterpret the title, parents turn off the news, um, is like, just pretend like the problems of the world are not there. Mm -hmm. Turn off the news, turn off social media, and just go kind of bury your head in the sand. Go, you know, live in your little enclave and just withdraw from the problems of the world, which is not something that most people have the privilege 
uh, to do. So no. you, you want to speak to that just a little bit? No, absolutely. We need to be informed about what's going on in the world to take care of our families. Um, I, I remember, for example, when um, the planes um, hit the World Trade Center, thinking I needed to know what was going on so I would know how to take care of my family and um, if there was anything relevant to my immediate any, any relevant danger to my immediate family. So we do need to know what's going on. We're also, we've been placed by God as citizens of a democracy that have a responsible a responsibility to engage with our um, uh, elections. We have a vote, and sometimes we need to also um, speak to our elected officials about what we've seen. And so we do need to be educated um, for our good and for the good of our families. Absolutely. And, you know, in particular, you know, we're, we're citizens and we're also, you know, Christians in a world. And so there's a world that needs prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a world that we need to prepare our kids to be, uh, you know, ambassadors of the gospel in. Um, and we have brothers and sisters you know, that we need to love. And so, you know, if you're, if you're a person who lives in a suburban area, you know, without the news, without media, you would not know about uh, a lot of the strife that people in poverty face. Yeah, you know, if you live in a you live in a kind of monolithic uh, town that doesn't have a tremendous amount of uh, racial diversity, mm-hmm. then you 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 based on your own experience walking around your town, you may not know the the real challenges and the real sufferings that people are facing related to racial injustice. Exactly. Yeah. So what we're talking here is not about pretending that everything's hunky-dory in your corner of the world and so it's all okay. We are talking about how to engage with the news and how to dis- disengage when the time is right. Exactly. Because, I mean, let's all call a spade a spade. And those of you who are listening, you have a person in mind, and, and we all have ourselves in mind too, where we have seen the news like really shape and transform people. Absolutely. You know, we see people who are just like constantly freaked out, constantly in fear uh, over what they're seeing on the news. There are people who um, are really, really uh, kind of demonize Mm -hmm. folks outside their tribe Mm -hmm. because of the mentality that they, that is modeled for them in the news. Um, and you know we see a lot of people really uh, discredit their Christian witness in the world and in social media because of the way that they're engaging with news. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also strife in families hmm. because people have very different perspectives uh, or they process things differently. And I, I think this really happens between different generations. Young people getting into conflicts with um, older aunts and uncles, grandparents, whatever, because their viewpoints are different. And we do not need the news to tear apart our families. There's enough. <laughs> There's yeah. enough going on working on families without um, this kind of tension. Totally, totally. Without bringing CNN and Fox News to the dinner table. No, we, we don't need that. We don't need that. No, oh, man. So what we want to talk about first is that the scriptural text that we're going to work from today is Romans 12, 1 through 2. And in, in, in Romans 12, 1 through 2, in the book of Romans, this is a real shift in Paul's letter to the Romans. And, you know, what we're going to be looking at here is how, you know, really how Paul is showing us that we are shaped and transformed by forces outside of ourselves. And I don't mean, you know, the the Holy Spirit is in us. The Word of God is in us. 
and it's and it's transforming us. But it but we ourselves are shaped by what we're consuming. Um, we are influenced by that, and you know what we um, we know that as parents, because I mean we don't let our kids watch. You know, we don't let a five-year-old watch Nightmare on Elm Street or Saul or some horrible, <laughs> you know, horribly violent, you know, show. We don't let our kids listen to to music that you know demeans women and you know uh, and is violent. We don't let our kids, you know, watch really bad stuff because we believe that what they're consuming can shape their character. Absolutely. We believe that they're watching tons of violent stuff. They will be a violent person, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. if they, if they're watching tons of stuff that is, you know, uh, sexually objectifying women, that then that's how they're going to relate to women. And so the thing is, is like our, you know, our kids are, you know, very, you know, moldable, they're malleable, so to speak. Well, so are we, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the human condition. So anyhow, so that's, that's really kind of what we're going to see a little bit with Romans 12, one through two. And so I guess I'll just kind of get to that. So back to what I was saying, Romans, um, Romans 12 is a turning point in, the, in Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Uh, he has really kind of explicated the gospel. Uh, that's a very, that's an overly broad way to say it because he talks about other things. But it's a, it is uh, kind of talking about the indicatives of the gospel in Romans 1 through Romans 11. So then there's a shift in Romans 12, 1 where, um, where Paul is now talking about how we live in response to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So Paul says in Romans 1, he says, uh, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so, you know, in view of God's mercy, that phrase is kind of, is like the transition phrase. Mm-hmm. Because he's saying, in view of God's mercy, in view of the gospel that I have described and explicated, in, uh, in, in chapters 1 through 11, now offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Like that is your, you know, that is your practical response to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, so, um, and so, you know, this living sacrifice is basically like a burnt offering. Like offering, you submit your whole life to God. Um, and that's, you know, that is in response to the gospel. That is how you live a life that worships the Lord is by giving everything over to him and submitting your life to his service and to his glory. And so then the, the verse that we're really going to focus on here is what he says in 12.2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so... You know, the, in this article that I wrote on, uh, on the Rooted blog at rootedministry.com, parents, turn off the news responsibly. <laughs> Parenthetical. <laughs> um, I focus on these two imperatives. Paul says, uh, do not be conformed and be transformed. And so conformed is a present passive imperative. Okay? Yeah, I got it. So is be transformed. Okay. All right, so let's break down why that grammar matters. It's not just so that I can justify the money that was spent for me to take Greek exegesis <laughs> or all the money that my parents spent for me to major in Latin um, <laughs> as an undergraduate at Wake Forest. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Grammar matters. That's right. Grammar matters, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm a former English teacher. <laughs> and, and, yes, yeah, two, two former English teachers, I might add. 
Um, so, so the grammar has a lot of have a lot of relevance to this conversation about the media shaping us. So, um, so when we talk about these imperatives both being passive, um, that talk basically is indicating that it is the things outside of us that are conf- that are con- that are transforming us. We can't transform ourselves. Like for us, in terms of Christian sanctification, we need God to change us from the inside out by his word, his Holy Spirit, and the gospel, you know, in the context of relationship with him. That is, that is how God transforms us into people who are more like Christ, who bear the fruit of the Spirit. All right, so, um, so that's, that's where the passive is. And now on the other side, you can be conformed Passive by the world. Mm-hmm. You know, things, else, things other than the, wor- the word, the gospel, and the spirit can be transforming you. Instead, it can be, you know, if you're watching or reading for hours and hours and hours a day, like it is going to shape you, mm-hmm. right? There's just no way around it. Yeah. What's it, Ronnie, Ronnie Baines, my old <laughs> rough and tough baseball coach, he's a legend. And he's an Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. My kid's baseball coach. Too. That's right. Coach Baines, he said it in a... Um, a way that we can't share on a Christian podcast. <laughs> but he, Coach Baines would say, bad stuff in, bad stuff out. <laughs> now you can, you can interpret and that translate bad stuff. <laughs> but he would say that to us as, as athletes. He's like, hey, look, if you eat and drink bad, you know, bad food and bad drinks, and you're drinking alcohol, this kind of stuff, if you put bad stuff in your body, then the results physically are going to be bad. And so, you know, same, same thing is true with our hearts and our minds. Right. We're cons- consuming things that are not true, things that are conflict with the gospel, that is going to shape us, but not for the good. It conforms to the world. Yeah, yeah. I love the way you said it earlier when we were talking. You can be shaped by the news or you can be shaped by the gospel. And that, that's what you're talking about here, being shaped by the gospel. Totally. And so the, another part of that is, so it's a present imperative. So in, in Greek, that, that's a continuous verb, meaning that it's something that is ongoing. It's not like a one-time thing. You weren't one-time conformed to the world. You weren't one-time transformed. We were, we were fluid beings. We were constantly being shaped, um, either in the direction of godliness or the direction of the world. And so, so with that being said, that is why... Um, that is why, you know, this is such an important conversation. Um, because, and, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about how is it that the news shapes us. Yeah, well, it, it definitely shows up in my mood around the house. What I have been absorbing and the degree of anxiety or worry or fear that I have absorbed from what I've heard. All these things that I can't really do anything about anyway. On the news, um, it, it starts to change how I interact with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm carrying a, a burden around, and I'm distracted. I snap. Yeah. I yeah. have a short temper. Um, I, I feel hopeless a little bit, and mm-hmm. all of those things carry over into my parenting, into my interactions with my kids. Um, yeah, and and um, I, I can't I can't afford that. There's enough going on. Yeah, totally. I've got, I've got enough sin to, to damage things as it is. We don't need to pour we don't need to pour gasoline on the sin fire that's already inside. Yeah, and then for me, I, I feel the same way. Like I, I can just be short tempered with my family because of what I'm internally processing 
that has made me so mad from you know all the all the things that I read. And I'll say for myself, I like really had a turning point back in the 2016 Republican primaries. Mm-hmm. And I'm a I'm a real politics fan. That that uh, real clear politics. Real clear, po- yeah. real clear politics. You know, it has a mixture of like conservative publications, liberal publications, moderate. You know, all you know here in the United States, some international. And it just gives you a really good diversity of articles to try to kind of discern the different takes. I mean, I was telling, I was reading like a dozen articles a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that was just like in a hobby kind of fashion because I grew up, you know, and that was like, that's what we talked about at the dinner table. We talked about elections Politics, yeah. and foreign policy. Um, but I, it was really starting, to, I was losing sleep and mm-hmm. um, I was just saying all kinds of, you know, and just, you know, just kind of catty or profane or mean-spirited things. And and I came to a point where I was like, man, this is really shaping my character. This is really shaping who I am. And I got I to turn this off. So that's when I kind of started to responsibly <laughs> turn off the news. Turn off the news, yeah. But, you know, and so in talking about this, like thinking about the difference between being shaped by the news versus being shaped by the gospel... Um, let's just think about like the tone and the dynamics of news sources. And this is true whether it's, you know, a far left publication or a, um, you know, a far right publication or something in the middle, although I'm not really sure there's anything in the middle, really, you know? I can't find it. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, uh, and so with that being said, like, first off, you know, the narrative that the news is operating of, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but it's not operating in a narrative of the gospel. You know, Paul, Paul says, in view of God's mercy. Yeah. Okay? And so, like, when Paul, a big part of Paul is when he's talking about, like, walking in the Spirit uh, in Galatians. When Paul talks about the Spirit, sometimes he's talking about that at an individual level, like the Holy Spirit in your heart. And sometimes he's talking about the Spirit in what we call redemptive historic terms, Anna. Let me explain what I mean. Please. Dr. Greg Lanier at Reformed Theological Seminary would be so proud of me. No, um, what I mean by that is he's talking about the Spirit as a new age that Jesus has ushered in. Um, And so, you know, basically uh, the gospel is, uh, you know, one way of thinking about the gospel is a narrative that we live under. Like we, we live with this recognition that Jesus Christ has come to the earth. Jesus Christ has died for our sins. Jesus has defeated sin, death, and the devil. He has risen from the dead. Like he is the, the first fruit of the resurrection of the body and the resurrection of the dead. He has ascended into heaven where he reigns as king. And he has sent his Holy Spirit to carry out his will and to do his work in our world and in our hearts. And so when you live under that narrative... Inherently, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit flows out of that. So when you know, Paul's talking about walk in the Spirit, I think it functions at both an individual level and a redemptive historic level. Like, walk under the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, l- submit, you know, as the imperative says, submit yourself passively to the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but also live with an awareness of what Jesus has done. Live with an awareness of the age of the Spirit, the age that the gospel of Jesus Christ has ushered in. And that changes you into a person who is more joyful, more peaceful, more loving, more good, more kind, more patient, uh, more gentle, more self-controlled, more faithful, the fruit of the Spirit. 
And so um, the news is not operating under that narrative. Mm -hmm. Like the narrative that they're operating under is a narrative where there is no God watching over us. Uh, humanity is the hope. And, um, and yeah, like this is it. What we see in this world is it. And so if this is it, and the things that you're observing, whether it's you know, COVID or riots or people storming the Capitol, whatever it is, if this is it, then yeah, absolutely. You should be speaking in terms of crisis. The narrative that the news is operating under, one that is not in view of God's mercy, one that's not under the banner or the narrative of the gospel, means that the tone is always fear. We all have that person in our life where it's always a crisis, right? They, they kind of live in the middle of a tornado. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's panic in the streets of London all the time. You know, I, I taught over almost 20 years ago with a lady, and it was always, the, the sky is falling! Oh, yes. And, like, there is no way that you cannot take on some of their panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like... It's contagious. It is very hard to disengage from the panic of that other person. And so the news is kind of like that lady I talk with. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like, it's like you choosing yeah. to be in that conversation of panic all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and most of us can't handle that kind of pressure. Um, and, it, and it's really, we'll talk about this when we get to some practical suggestions, but it's not how God intended us to live. We, we are not responsible for all the things that we see on the news. It's... Uh, it is, God is responsible for those things. And when we live under the narrative that Jesus has come, we are in, we are living out his story, not our story. Mm -hmm. And that, in fact, everything we see on the news suggests chaos and decay. But in fact, Jesus is making all things, things new. new. Yeah. And that to me is just something that I hold on because it doesn't look like it. We can't see it. We can't see it especially on the news, but he is, mm -hmm. even now. That hasn't, that hasn't slowed down for a second. Yeah, and so to your point, you know, talking about how the news shapes, as we said, one, it talks out of this narrative of fear, and then secondly, this narrative of an inflated sense of control. Yeah. You know, you hear, uh, you know, you hear a lot of times analysts or commentators who come onto the news, or, uh, you know, if I, I read a lot of print media, or it's, you know, journalists, and they, they'll say these things like, we've got to do something, we've got to do this. And like, hey, look, of course we need to do things. Of course, like, we need to speak out against injustices. Like, that's, that's, that is a function of a, of a, um, a faithful Christian, right. you know. Of course we need to, like, contribute where we can contribute. And there is also this recognition that, we are not the Messiah. Yeah. It, there's kind of this uh, human Messiah, this collective human Messiah complex that the news tends to take on uh, or, or, or tends to espouse where there's a very much an overstatement of our level of control in the world. Yeah, I, I'm going to share an article in the show notes um, that I read was really helpful about this. It's called How 2020 is Taking a Toll on Your Soul. And the author argues that all the immediacy of the news that we have and the internet and all the, um, all the different various inputs we have have given us a, a faux omnipresence, thinking that we know everything that's going on everywhere. 
and that we have a proper perspective of it. Mm. And it's also given us a faux omnipotence as if we can actually do anything about all the things that we think that we know. And, but everything that we read or see is, is limited in its scope and perspective, and we're not qualified to form the opinions that we actually feel pressure to form when we watch these things. It's given us this, this fake godlikeness, and you know, that's what got us in trouble in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> we thought in the garden that we needed to become like God. You can be like God, yeah. yeah that's yeah. a big problem. Um, Spurgeon said, um, Many servants of God feel their weakness by an oppressive sense of responsibility. We are not the Father, nor the Savior, nor the Comforter of the church. Um, and we can feel a pressure to be that. Jesus, what Jesus wants us to do is come to him, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and let him give you rest. That's, that's, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, and we are a part of the body of Christ, yeah. but we're not Christ. Right. And in our sin, like you said, uh, we want to be God. Mm-hmm. And so when, when there is this inflated sense of control and power that is suggested, uh, it, it creates a, a tremendous amount of burden because uh, we're carrying a burden that only God can carry. I think that it's really important to talk to your teenagers about that because this young generation is so wonderful in how passionately they care about everything that's going on, um, particularly injustices. And there's no way in which we want to dampen their enthusiasm. But at the same time, um, that the, they need to understand the limits of activism. Yeah. And, um, they're, they're called to love. They're called to serve their neighbors. They're called to be a light in the world. Um, but they're not called to fix anyone or anything. They can't. They don't even have that power. And I think that we can lift some burden off their shoulders by their, their not by teaching them that they're not responsible for all the things that they see wrong with the world. Yeah, it's a good word. It's a really good word. You know, last thing we said, you know, there's this narrative of fear in the way that we're shaping the news. We said there's a, a, an inflated sense of control is the second thing. A third thing is there really is there's a mentality of warfare. Mm-hmm. There is a major mentality of warfare. I mean, uh, you know, if you watch or read, oh my goodness, it's so, so painful to even look at the headlines of some of this stuff. Yeah. But, you know, if you, if you read le- uh, ty- you know, typically progressive publications, then the conservatives are Satan. Like, they are the devil. And then if you read conservative publications, the liberals are the problem with the world. They are the greatest threat to human civilization, and they are deeply wicked. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in no way, like, defending any political party. Right. Uh, but what I am saying is that to talk about human beings made in the image of God that Jesus Christ died for... Uh, in a way like that is not godly. That is not, that is not a Christian way. And let me just say this. Look, if you can totally, totally disagree with a politician and their their beliefs and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. You can oppose their their actions. You can oppose their views, their policies, all that kind of stuff. But if you talk 
about Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, or Chuck Humor as the devil, then that is sinful. And the thing is, it is sorry. I know some of you are gonna be like, "Well, I don't know about that." <laughs> but man, I mean, let's, we're gonna talk about this in the next podcast. We talk about loving your enemies, mm-hmm. but that uh, that 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 is not a Christ-like way to relate to to respond to others by demeaning them, degrading them, and being super self-righteous and acting like you're so much more holy than they are. Yeah, they're, not, they're human beings made in the image of God, just bro- just like we are. Broken and flawed, yeah. all with a story of which we don't know any about anything about it. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, so all that to say, the news very much points you in an uncharitable direction in terms of how you relate to people outside your tribe. Yeah, yeah. That's an <laughs> understatement, maybe the understatement of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and it just hardens our hearts. And yeah. It makes us unable to carry out the work that God has for us in the world. Totally. So now let's let's kind of uh, you know underscore those three things we said in light of the gospel. All right. So you know with the gospel d- does not lead us to fear. The gospel leads us to comfort. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so with that being said, I think a good question to ask as we kind of launch into the gospel, or talking about the shaping of the gospel, is like how much Bible and prayer do you consume? versus how much news media do you consume. And I know that that sounds a little bit Christian-y, and that could be a little bit legalistic, but this is a Christian podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, there, I, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. When I was in my early 20s, I, I, was not, I was not working in ministry. I was working in business. And I'm a big Alabama fan. We've talked about the Tide. That's right, Roll Tide. Good week for the Tide. Basketball team. Basketball team's eight in a row. I mean, we just can't stop it's been a good season. It's been a good year. It'll end, but it's been a good year. But anyhow, I was reading far more Bama online than I was reading my Bible. I was like, you know, five, 10 minute quiet time and 45 minutes to an hour of, you know, consumption of inside Alabama football information. Yeah. And like, I was like, the Holy Spirit convicted me. This is problematic, you know? Yeah. And, and so all that say, like, it's not, it's not, it's no problem with me to read, you know, to read a little bit of Bama online every day. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but there, I decided I needed to reallocate the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I tell you my New Year's resolution? Pray tell, Team Mom. By the way, it's the Team Mom, not mom. a Teen Mom. Teen Mom. But uh, Team, like the Team Mom who brings the cookie and the Kool Aid after practice, and you know that she's the Team Mom. It is in my rooted contract that I bring. Fresh baked cookies anytime we travel for a conference. A contract is a contract. A job description is a job description. That's all I'm saying. If I can do anything, it's baked cookies. So that's a good. That's a Truth. good thing. But my New Year's resolution is is very similar. I would wake up and roll over and pick up my phone, and I would scroll the headlines and maybe check out Facebook. Um, and I was 20 minutes into the world before I ever got out of bed. Uh huh. And I, my resolution as such is really simple, and that is you have to pick up your Bible before you pick up your phone. Oh, team mom. <laughs> and I don't, that's I good. I haven't been, what is it, the 18th? No, 20th. It's the 20th. I'm not 20 for 20, but it really helps my whole mindset. Like if I start my day there, it's first 
then it's, it changes the whole tenor of the day. And I have found myself not even looking at the headlines until like eight or nine in the morning. Hey. It's, it's breaking me of that. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, you were so setting yourself up for a great cheesy preacher cliche. Oh, I'm um, glad I done I was 20 minutes into the world <laughs> before I was 20 minutes into <laughs> the word. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Come on, man. You're, you're Baptist, girl. You got to know that. Um, anyhow, so, so all that to say, um, so the gospel, it really, it alleviates fear. Because it reminds us of that, you know, Jesus has come and Jesus has defeated sin, death, and the devil. And, and so, uh, and, and he reigns as king and his Holy Spirit has come and we're moving towards the culmination of his kingdom at the second coming of Christ. This is, this, you know, the, the, we live in the present evil age and God is doing something about it and he calls us into that work and we want to be faithful in that. And, you know, the Lord is making all things new. Is making all things new. That is present, active, continuous, just <laughs> hit the grammar there. Hit the grammar. Yes, I like it. All right, so next thing is, you know, the gospel does anything but give us an inflated sense of control. Yeah. The gospel, because the gospel humbles us, because it says you, your problem with sin uh, is so great that God himself would have to leave heaven to fix it for you. That's a, that's a, that's a God-sized problem. And so the gospel humbles us, and here's the thing, like, when you operate as an activist out of humility, you're actually going to be more effective. Absolutely. Because I think generally when we have this inflated ego, we tend to just like wring our hands and, and you know, kind of talk. Whereas when you kind of operate out of humility, you say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm going to vote or I, I'm going to write a letter to my congressman or I'm going to make a financial contribution or I'm going to... I'm going to pray. I'm going to see, you know, and that, and that honestly, I'd say at the end of the day, if, if from a Christian responsibility standpoint, I think one of the best things that responsible news consumption can do is lead you to pray. Yeah. If you approach, if you approach the news, it's like, hey, you know, what I see going on in this part of the world, I'm going to pray for it. You know, what I see going on with our politicians, I'm going to pray for them. That, now that is really um, redeeming. News consumption. And powerful. Yeah. RTR. RTR. <laughs> and then last thing, of course, the gospel, I mean, certainly does not enable us to think about people outside our tribe in terms of warfare. Because we were enemies of God. That's what Paul says earlier in Romans, that we were hostile to God. Um, but while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so, you know, we, we were enemies of God. That's quite a statement. You know, enemies of God, and, and honestly, you know, you look through the New Testament, we, we in our sin hated God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so anyhow, the gospel awakens us to the foolishness of that, and it puts everybody at the same level. So that, you know, loving your enemy, it's like, well, that, I was loved when I was God's enemy, and that should transform me to love people who are not like me and to, to regard them with compassion. Yeah, because we all start in the same place. Yeah, it's not a very good place. No, it's, it's not. It's Ephesians not. 2, you know, 1 through 4, no, not, not good. Yeah. Dead, dead and sin <laughs> trespasses, following the prince of the air, sons of disobedience, children of wrath. No, oh yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no. Anyhow, so yeah, so I think, you know, um, before 
we kind of get into some practical suggestions to land the proverbial plane. Um, I think one of the main things that we're saying here is we need to realize that we are moldable, we're malleable by the things that we consume. Mm -hmm. And we need to be really um, alert to uh, how shaped we can be by, you know, getting sucked into hours of news consumption, Mm -hmm. especially on social media. Because social media, it's like the news that gets posted, it's like all bad. It's like it's like hardly any of it's true. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's so much opinion. So much, yeah, yeah totally. Fact on social media. Yeah, yeah, totally. Anyhow, okay, so moving along to land the plane, the proverbial plane. <laughs> we're landing the proverbial plane here, Team Mom. Since we're not actually getting on any planes, we're going anywhere. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> uh, although I did book some tickets for Disney. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, really. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm gonna make a little trip down there to see mom and see mom and dad. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyhow, so suggestions like some some practical direction yep. on how to how to go with this. So yeah. you want to go first? Well, uh, I think that one thing that is helpful, particularly when there is an urgent piece of news, like breaking news, is the story of the Capitol that happened several weeks ago. Um, One thing that's really helpful for me is to do what Elizabeth Elliot calls um, do the next thing. Hmm. And um, that particular day, I had a list of household chores I needed to accomplish, and one of them was fixing my broken washing machine. Are you proud of me? Whoa, dude. (laughs) Went to the hardware store, got coached up on how to fix it. Dude, that's impressive. I felt like what I needed to do that afternoon was take care of my family by fixing the washing machine. And so the events at the Capitol did not require a re- immediate response from me, but the washing machine did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, and that's helpful for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, doing something physical when, when there's this rush of adrenaline that comes from having the news on. Um, I'm an embodied soul. And I need to handle that adrenaline appropriately rather than yelling at my kids or snapping at someone or, hmm. or pacing while I'm watching the news. Um, I am grounded in the moment and uh-huh. I'm concentrating on something I don't really know how to do, which is fix the washing machine. And so all of that, it short circuits my immediate tendency to think, to worry about what's next. Yeah. And when I'm worried about what's next, I'm playing God again, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, that that whole future forecasting of what's going to happen as a result of the storming of the Capitol or whatever it is. Um, uh, that's This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, uh, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. The message paraphrases it like this. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And so that's something that you can do when there is breaking news that gives you a lot of anxiety is to, to focus on um, what God has put in your sphere of influence that you can actually do something about. There you go. And I think one of the things you just hit there is to prayer, to ask the Lord for wisdom on how much control you have in the situation. Yeah. So, you know, the storming of the Capitol is a person living in Birmingham, Alabama. There is, there is nothing I can nothing. do. Nothing. You know, I, I mean, there might be something I want to communicate to my congressman. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I can write an email. I did do that. Uh, but otherwise, as a citizen in Birmingham, there's, no, there's really nothing I can do. However, back in 2011, when it was national news that tornadoes were rolling through Alabama, and they rolled through you know, our community, they, then yeah, absolutely, there was something we could do. Yes. One, we needed to take cover first <laughs> and be safe. Yeah. But then after that, I mean, it was a, there, was a, there was a lot physically to do. Yes. You know, or, you know, it it could have been, um, it could have been that, uh, this summer, uh, with, um, George Floyd Mm -hmm. and with his passing, um, that there was, you know, there were some really constructive things that could be done whereby we could encourage, you know, brothers and sisters, particularly if you're white, encourage black American brothers and sisters. And so there, 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 there really could be practical things. So it's it's really important to discern what um, what how much control you have, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that that's key. All right, second thing I'll jump in here is I think that you, you need to do some analysis, and I'm going to credit my my BFF uh, coach Coach Neil. Won't say his full name. Um, he just made a great point, and he said you need to discern what your calling is in the world, and 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 from that you need to assess. Uh, how informed you need to be. If you work in public service, um, if you're my friend Colin Hansen, who's you know a, a, a editor in chief of the Gospel Coalition, their blog, you, you need to be really informed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a person who's managing uh, managing investments and portfolios of of people, you you need to be informed um, relative to you know politics and economics and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're just a, an average citizen, and then you know, as a as a person in a democracy, you need to be somewhat informed so that you can make educated, faithful voting decisions. But you don't have to consume hours of media every day to to be informed enough to make prayerful, faithful decisions. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're modeling that for especially for your teenagers who are watching this. Mm-hmm. What what it looks like to be a faithful consumer of of the news and and the media and um, uh, by the same token, I will say a lot of us just regular average citizens who have teenage kids at home, they're at school talking about these things. Um, they often would come home from school having processed something with their teachers that was going on in the news that I didn't even necessarily know. Uh, what was going on. And so I needed to know a little bit about what was going on so that I could try to guide them to this gospel perspective of what they were reacting to in the news and remind them that um, that Jesus has intervened in history. Uh, well, it's, it, he is yeah. he's in charge of history. History is about him. Um, <laughs> and, and that history is about him and we can rest in the fact that he's working on things. Amen, on yeah. scenes. So I, as a parent of a teenager, you do have, if you, especially if you have a teenager that is interested in these things. Totally. You, you cannot, when they're younger, you can very much um, know what they're seeing on the media. But when, when they leave, when they drive out that, you know, drive to school and go to school, you're not going to be able to control that. So you need to be able to respond to it. Yeah, so that that's that's really good. Um, so where I am in life, I mean, I don't need to be crazy informed. I need to be basically informed. Um, 
So last thing I would say uh, in terms of suggestion is I would just be very, I'd be wise about what you're consuming because I think that it's really commonplace now that a lot of media outlets on both sides, um, they are lying. Like they are deliberately saying things that are not true in order to influence you for the party or the platforms that they believe in. I, you know, I was, I, I, there were two news channels where there were certain shows that I used to like really like and used to benefit from and I felt like I was being served. Um, and and then these, these are news services are, are both on either side mm -hmm. of, the, of the aisle, so to speak. But you know, after the Trump election, I felt like both of them were like deliberately not telling the truth in order to either you know promote or discourage what was going on in the country, and then you know I just think that's that's very dark to lie to to abuse your power the platform that you have as a you know as a major news outlet to try to shape people for your purposes and and to do it by telling things that are not true. That's just that is you know that is not consistent with the purity of God. So I, I would just be really discerning about, you know, about what you're being, what you're consuming. And I know it's hard to find stuff like that, but, you know, I, I think that that's a, just kind of a wisdom call. Well, and with your older kids, you can have those conversations and you can talk about, you can watch something together and point bias out to them. Yeah. And, and you know, Paul says, train your mind, think about whatsoever things are true and help them discern what's true and what may not be true or what they don't know whether it's true or not how do you find out so these are all skills that we can not only develop for ourselves but pass them on to our kids yeah but bottom line at the end of the day if your media consumption is making you anxious and afraid if it's it's if it's putting you in a mood where you're bearing bad fruits yeah. um, if it's causing you to kind of have these inner conversations where you like are hating you know, a group of people or a politician or whatnot. Uh, if it's if it's you know giving you a way inflated messiah complex, you just need to turn it off. Yeah. Turn turn it off. Like, yeah, put it down. Just put it down. Yeah. It, it is infecting you, and you don't need that. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's all I got for today, Team Mom. You got anything else? Uh, you know, um, I'm just uh, I'm just having fun. Some podcast with you, Big C. Totally, Team Mom. I thought you got to bring you need to bring some some cookies next time. Yeah. Next okay. time, yeah. Next time we're gonna talk about loving your enemy, and I, you know, I think that chocolate chip cookies would be a re, a really fantastic An excellent uh, start. Yeah, excellent yeah. start. Yeah. Yeah, chocolate chips for the enemy. Um, no, but anyhow, but yeah, we should encourage you with the good news, man. That uh, that Jesus has come. He's died. He's risen. He's sitting on the throne. He is sitting on the throne. He is not walking around wringing his hands. He is not worried. He is he sitting is on the throne, worried. making all things new through the Holy Spirit. He's busy making all things new. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in. And if uh, it would help us, if you like this podcast, found it helpful to um, to like us on social media and to really, it really help us to write a review. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that would be great. Well, God bless you, and we hope you have a wonderful day. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Rooted Parent. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. 
Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music featured on this episode. This podcast is made available to you by Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the authors and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.